This is a Soulfire production. What's up, guys? We're back. My voice is back. Get Psyched is back. And we are ready to party. Today, my colleague, my boss, my confidant, and most importantly, my friend Jason Kalipa is on the show. We talk about our paths crossing back in early 2012 when I got my level one at NorCal CrossFit, which is now called NC Fit, and where I work. So it's so crazy that things have gone full circle. Jason was my first launch into the CrossFit space, and I remember watching him absolutely dominate the CrossFit games for close to a decade. We talk about his mindset and what 10 years of competition really does and carries over into life and family and friendships and how important it is to detach worth from performance. Not only is this in athletics, but this is also in business. This is in relationships, right? These are in so many things that we attach all of our value to and heaven forbid they fail. We think that we are failures. Whereas really, it just meant that we worked really hard at something. We found a new avenue. We pushed outside our comfort zones. And for that, we should be proud of our successes. We get really tangential in today's show from talking about tribe mentality and athletics to physical and mental training. We talk about jujitsu. We talk about BMX bike racing. It gets all over the place, but it was super fun to catch up with my friend, Jason Kalipa. Enjoy the show. Hey, so did you see this new way that Zoom now, it tells you that it's recording? Did you hear that? Yeah. Did you hear it too? Mind blown. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I feel like we're flipping the script a little bit because I've been on Business of Fitness, which is now Effort Over Everything. And now I get to sit down and interview you. So this feels really exciting. Hey, anything you want to know? Yeah, it was was MDV and I were were flipping the script uh, the other day on the intro podcast. And so, yeah, I mean, look... I'm all, uh, whatever you want to talk about, I'm ready. Hell yeah. Well, guys, my boss, my friend, my colleague, Jason Kleep was on the show today. I'm super, super excited to be sitting down with him, um, especially because I've known you for so long now. And it's fun fact, you, I did my level one back in 2012. Yeah, 2012 at NorCal CrossFit. Oh my gosh. The one with the racquetball courts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. That was a good, I loved that gym. You know, there's so many good stories about that gym. Oh my, oh my gosh. Yeah. What's your favorite story about that gym? Maybe we'll start right there. My favorite story. So aside from the fact it was haunted for sure. I mean, we would, we would see security footage of like these. We've okay. So we had some homeless people that, that stayed in there. Sometimes we had them like run through one time, but the craziest story for sure, for sure was we were hosting a level one. And there was a gentleman there who was um, a New Zealand firefighter or maybe Australian firefighter. And so he was working there. And so him and I were just chatting, blah, blah. And we end up in the restroom. Okay. Now for context, the restroom at this facility was a traditional health club. It was an old health club. So it was more of a locker room, right? You had lockers. It was very big. It wasn't like it was just urinals or something like that. So we're sitting in this locker room and we, we happen to be chatting in the locker room. And out of nowhere, the guy just like perks up like a, like a greyhound or something. Like, just like, like, I'm like, okay, what's going on? And like, he starts sniffing and 
he walks over this wall, puts his hands on the wall. And it's just in the middle of our like um, restroom break or whatever from the seminar. So it's touching the wall. Sure enough, out of nowhere, this guy just punches through this wall. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he pulls out an ember. And I'll, I'll never forget this. This guy punches through the wall, pulls out an ember, and then puts it out. And there was a fire occurring inside the wall that no one knew about. But this guy happened to be in the right place at the right time and knew exactly what to do. And so we got the fire extinguisher, we put out the fire, it was no big deal. But it was just the most bizarre situation that this guy happened to be a firefighter, that he happened to be in a locker room at that point, And then he happened to realize there was a fire going on inside the wall. And had he not been there, I don't know what would have happened. So that was one of the gnarly, I mean, we had a lot of other stories, but that was the one that sticks out to me as like the most just like unique. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. That's so cool. But for people who don't know what the L1 seminar is, who don't know what this context is that we're talking about, can you give them a little bit of background on Jason Klepa, what that is, who you are? Yeah. So for a lot of years, I taught CrossFit seminars around the world and I would travel and I would, I would go in and they call them red shirts. I, I, I'm pretty sure they still do actually. And you'd fly in on a Friday, you would work a gig a Saturday, Sunday, you'd fly out that night. And this happens every single weekend all around the world, rinse, repeat. And in this particular case, we were hosting one of those seminars at our gym locally, which was great because I didn't have to travel. But you have about 50 participants. They go through a whole seminar. And this was just a restroom break that occurred when this guy ended up breaking down the wall. But yeah, so from 2009 to the next couple of years, I would be on the road almost every single weekend. That's insane. And then 2008, backing it up even a little bit more, wins the CrossFit Games. So I know that you're being uh, quite, not, I don't want to say coy, but quite humble and not kind of uh, putting that out on, on display for everyone to hear. But can you give people yeah. a little bit of background? Founder of NC Fit, previously NorCal CrossFit, champion at the CrossFit Games. Who is Jason Kalipa? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, husband and father rolls in there somewhere. I have two kids. Um, I... Um, I, I won the CrossFit Games in 2008. I ended up competing in CrossFit for the next close to a decade. Um, it was a really great ride, a lot of fun. I competed seven years as an individual. It was pretty much a year-round occurrence because of the way the season was set up at the time. Competed once on a team. And then um, our daughter got sick, and so I lo no longer competed in 2016. Um, and so, But that was a huge part of my life. So I started working for CrossFit. I taught seminars. I was traveling around the world teaching um, or competing. And then we were opening up new gyms underneath the NorCal CrossFit umbrella. And we rebranded NorCal CrossFit NC Fit in about 2016. Because at that point, we weren't just CrossFit anymore. We had corporate wellness. We had a digital model. We were, we were offering a variety of different programs. And so that's kind of what sparked that brand change. Yeah. So I, I kind of came into the NC Fit mix right during that brand change. Oh boy. Yeah. I know it was, it was insane, but it was also as much as it was a rebrand for the company, it felt like kind of a rebrand for Jason Kalipa. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, think about it. I was deep in the trenches of CrossFit for so many, so many years and the rebrand was tough. I learned a lot about that from a business perspective, but also um, what I didn't realize at the time was that so many of our staff identified as CrossFit coaches. And then all of a sudden we pulled that CrossFit name, they lost the sense of identity and I should have done a better job as the CEO or whatever you want to call it to, I should have done a better job clearly identifying who we were, where we wanted to go. And I did a poor job of that for our team. That was a big learning lesson from a business perspective. 
But as an individual, it's the same thing. You know, for me, I was competing. I was so in the trenches. And then, um, you know, after Ava got sick, I stopped competing. It was like a very quick boom. And about a year after that, you know, we were so deep in this um, treatment for her that I didn't really pay much attention to like competing or any of that kind of stuff. But then when I started to go back to the events for the first time, it was tough. It was tough to kind of go back to it. But that ship had kind of passed by um, with life, life occurrences. Yeah, totally. I was reading something and it was from an Olympic softball player. And maybe you can give me some insight on this if this is how you feel. Sure. They were saying that professional athletes basically died two deaths, like their actual physical death. <laughs> and then the day that they retire from their sport. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that kind of shift like for you? How did you balance that? And what did it look like? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I actually, I'm, um, I, I was kind of lucky um, for lack of a better term, because I was competing individually. I was at the height of the sport. So I took second in 2013, third in 2014 in the world. So, you know, I was, I was at the top and then it was an easy decision because of my family, our business, we had a lot of moving parts to say, Hey, let's go team. And the team, we had a great run that year. We had some things occur where, uh, one of our teammates got hurt, which was really tough. Um, but going from individual to team was almost like a step, right? That was like my first step mm -hmm. in like kind of retirement, but it wasn't like all in. And then after those games, um, you know, it wasn't the same as some of these other guys you see um, retiring. I actually, I don't know if I feel bad. That's probably not the right word, but I, it would be very difficult to be at this high level competitor and then just one day just want to turn it off. But what I also didn't want to do is be this guy who wasn't performing at the top and then just stay in just to stay in. I knew those were my two options. Like, hey, I either got to get out at some point, but I don't want to be the guy who's just in for way too long. And people are like, oh, yeah, that's the guy who used to be good. But when Ava got sick, it was like the easiest decision. So I'm almost like, in that sense, the decision was made for me. Had that not happened, I don't know how long I would have gone team for. I mean, I might still be in there today. Who knows? Yeah, you you would still be crushing. We still yeah. we still throw down quite a bit at NC for sure. Some yes. friendly competition, some friendly competition. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think you're right though. A lot of athletes, and this also goes for professional careers too. You know, as of recently, uh, several of our close friends have been retiring from their careers, and it's really difficult because they're so. That's a huge part of their identity is 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 matched up with what they do, right, and who they are, and. Then when they retire, it's like, well, okay, who am I? What am I doing? All that kind of stuff. And so those were questions I definitely had to ask myself, but I was so deep into um, Ava that it wasn't, it never really hit me until like a year or two later. Yeah. And then what happened when it hit you a year or two later? What were some of the answers that you were finding to those questions? I mean, at that point, you got to start disassociating yourself that you were just like a professional athlete. Like you can't be you like it's not just Jason Cleep, the professional athlete, because then based on your performances, you might then determine you're not good enough, right? Mm. Um, or hey, Jason, the business owner. Well, it's like, well, hey, if our business isn't thriving the way that I want it to, now I'm personally not doing well. And so it's difficult because you're so bought in and invested in these things. But if you're too bought in and invested and you associate your self-worth with how your business or how your athletic career is, it could really be detrimental. So you got to start attaching to things that are a little bit more whole, like husband, uh, you know, my, uh, you know, dad, being a good dad and, and identifying those things you can attach onto. So as soon as I retired, because 
I started kind of shifting more towards that, which was helpful when I was like at my first competition, I kind of woke up like, oh man, this is done for me. It wasn't as big of a, a you know, slap in the face because I still leaned on these other things that I identified as. Yeah, I think that's huge. So many people identify parts of themselves as their whole self. And that totally happened to me. I mean, I was working with you guys when I first blew out my elbow and I went from yeah. like competition floor to not being able to tie my shoes by myself. And everything was so wrapped into this identity. It's like I was a coach, I was an athlete, I worked full time for NC Fit, all of Lindsay. What I think I'm still in people's phone. My friend told me the other day that I'm in his phone as blonde CrossFit Lindsay. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And but, you, yeah, you're right. You go through, I mean, I look back at it now and it was definitely, especially with like the psychology training I've had, it was like, that's the closest thing to a full depression I've ever been in. I was sitting on the couch and really having to look at if I'm not an athlete, who am I? If I'm not a competitor, right. who am I? And these questions, you know, I look back at it now, I think with more optimism, because I'm like, well, I went back to school, I found different parts of myself to identify with and came back to like, who is Lindsay? So when, when you ask that question, who is Jason, I know you said father and husband, what else comes up in that answer? Um, I'd say entrepreneur, I'd say just, uh, you know, obviously, like a friend, of course. Um, those are, those are things like that I'm really passionate, excited about, right? Like, like family, friends, entrepreneurship, business. And, but, but also at the same time, you know, something I think that's really important. I, I was talking to Elliot, actually, you heard this. He was making this, this statement that if you, if you wrap up too much of who you are into your business, you'll never take the necessary risks to move forward because you're afraid of failure, right? Mm. And so there's got to be this balance between who you are. Otherwise, you'll never kind of strive to reach your full potential because you're going to be afraid to ever do anything in business because if you fail, it's a direct representation of Jason Klepa and not the business. And so it's a really fine line that I've had to play with the business as an entrepreneur on taking these risks and recognizing that because we take a risk and it might not work out, it's not a reflection just on me, right? Like it's, it's the business has to take risks to see it evolve. But if but if I was so wrapped up in the business as identifying as me or as an athlete, I may never take those risks. I don't want to fail. So, but yes, I would say things like friend, husband, father, those are really important to me, uh, family, et cetera. Yeah. And I know before we, we hit record, you were talking about, you know, earlier days of competition and BMX, and now you're in the jujitsu space. So you, I feel like you constantly have this kind of like underlying theme of, of effort and putting, you know, all of yourself into athletics and competition. How did it kind of start in the BMX world and what has it grown into now? Uh, I don't know. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean like for today, you know, for example, you know, I did jujitsu this morning. We have podcasts, we get on meetings, we do things. I did a workout. I had like 40 minutes, did a workout. Then I had a couple of meetings Then I went to the track. And so I try and like, rarely do I spend time like Netflix and chilling like that doesn't exist, right? Because I either want to be spending time with my family, spending time with my wife, spending time with my kids, um, or working on the business or working on myself. And um, early on, um, I don't know, I had a little bit of that drive, right? But the BMX side really captivated me because um, I don't know, it was hard to make friends in my neighborhood. And I started making friends who used to skateboard and skateboarding was like, yeah, it was cool. It was fine. It was okay. 
But then all of a sudden the cool kids started BMXing and it was something I got pretty good at. And so I started um, racing. I started racing at like a national level and I started getting sponsored. And that was a really, really cool time because, um, you know, your hard work directly paid off. So I'd ride these things called rollers in my garage to get better at my conditioning. And I would practice my gate starts so you can get the kind of jump on the rest of the guys. And it was cool to see the time that I put in the garage and how it directly related to the track. So it's always been that way from that. Then got into football, threw the shot, put, um, and then found Muay Thai, then found CrossFit. And now I've been recently, I've been really into jujitsu. Hell yeah. I start jujitsu on Wednesday. I did Ooh. like a handful. I know I did a handful of uh, private stuff with like you and Benji and I'm, I'm fired up. I'm nervous, super nervous, but I'm fired yeah, It's like up. drinking from a water. It's like drinking from a fire hose to start. And you know, the thing about it is, is like for anybody who is listening, who you, who really fell in love with like something like, let's just call it CrossFit, for example. Right. Um, they might've fallen in love with it, like almost like a, this cult following because they were learning all these new skills and they felt like they were a part of a group where like when you walked around, you knew who was part of it. You would talk about snatches and rope climbs and other people weren't as familiar with it. So it made you feel part of something. It made you feel like you were learning something and got you in really good shape. Jiu-Jitsu is a very, very similar um, kind of like a, it's easy to get addicted to it because there's so much to learn. You just don't want to get overwhelmed in the beginning. Totally. And I think, you know, on a primal level, that's what we all want in life, right? Is to be a community, be part of something, be able to keep, you know, like I remember CrossFit back in early 2000s and like if you saw someone wearing nanos, it was like, oh, dude. you know, this like, hey, you I give them the you. wink, you give them, the, you give them like, <laughs> hey, what's up? And yeah. they knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. Or you saw someone with like a specific type of shirt on back then, maybe it was like a pukey the clown, who knows, right? Totally. But, yeah. Yeah, and you got to be a part of something. So having CrossFit's so interesting in that sense because you get to be in a community, but also, unless you're competing team, you're competing as an individual. So how was it to kind of like compete against arguably some of your closest friends? It kind of reminds me of like yeah. the jujitsu space, right? Because you're like, hey, I love you, brother. But like when it comes to the mat, I'm also going to take you down. Yeah. And in a lot of schools, rarely. So in training, they'll definitely get after it. Right. But in a lot of schools, you'll rarely see students from the same school. Rarely. I mean, not really, but sometimes they will not compete against each other. Um, they'll do what they call like, they'll close it out together, which is kind of weird where they tie um, for the absolute divisions. But most of the time it's different weight classes. But yeah, um, in CrossFit, it was weird for a little while. Right. Because I was training with Garrett. I was training with uh, Neil. And I was training with, you know, a variety of other people who were highly competitive, Pat, et cetera. And, you know, one of those things was just having like the shared goal, right? And the shared goal was to get to the CrossFit Games. That was probably the, the, the thing, like the one thread that kept us going. Once we got to the Games, then when you get there, you really feel isolated. And so you feel like you have someone alongside you. So where it got a little weird, the Open wasn't weird because you want to push each other. The Regionals which was like the qualifying event, um, that got a little weird if, if it was like, man, one of us might not make it or whatever because you only take a few people to the games. But where it really became beneficial was when you go into the games, you feel like you had someone there that was like had your back. Even if they like are competing against you, you still felt like you were a part of a team, which was nice because no one else is really talking to you. There's really no word spoken on some of these buses. I mean, it's just 
silent and awkward. You can cut the tension like with the knife. Jeez. Yeah. It's funny because I think back on like all of the, you know, I went to all the games and did all the things as a spectator, of course, not, not nearly fit enough to do that. Um, but when I think back to, you know, watching the behind the scenes or watching the stuff that like Mars and Heber and all those guys had put out, it seemed like so much camaraderie, but now to hear that it was just like dead silent. Well, it was, it, it, it's, there's camaraderie until there's not. So like, what I mean by that is like, if you're behind stage and like, you know, as the weekend goes on, the tension kind of levels out. So in the beginning, there's a lot of tension, a lot. And then as the weekend goes on and you start to see the leaderboard kind of shake out and you have guys who are all kind of like in the same heat together, the vibe starts getting a little bit better, a little bit. But where the tension is really high is like the first couple of events, especially on the bus. Like the tension is just like, it's just silent. And, um, you know, people have their AirPods in or whatever it is. And even if you know people, it's just a, it's a very, just people are mentally preparing to try and perform the best they can. You know, I, I can't remember who it was. It was, I was like years ago, we were on this bus and it was silent. And I think it was Daniel Taminsky or someone said something to Rich Froney, like kind of talking crap. And it's like, bro, out of all people, you're going <laughs> to go after him. He's like the most legit ever at the time. And, um, but everybody else, there's a lot of mutual respect. It's just, there's a lot of high tension. Totally. So how did you ready yourself for something like that? Like, obviously you could physically get your body ready as best as yeah. you could until that weekend. But what did you do to get your mind right? Well, the mind's tough. And you and I have talked about this, you know, with, even with Adam and, and some of the mindset tricks, right? Or not tricks, tools, I should call them. Um, you know, I, I really, really think with Adam, understanding what's inside versus outside of control is a really big big defining moment for me looking back on it um that amongst that is probably the highest one because what would happen is i would always be so concerned about my competitors or so concerned about something that i had zero impact on and i started i saw, I saw this bleed over in other areas of my life right like with business you're concerned about whatever but you literally cannot do anything about it so why should i concern myself with it and so once i started really segmenting out. And he actually had me on a piece of paper, like legitimately write this out, understand what's in my control versus out. It really made a dramatic difference for me going into each competition. So each event, each competition, I would write down or at least visualize what, what can I do that's in my control? What, what, can I, what is out of my control? And just focus on this circle. And that was one of the biggest mindset shifts that helped me. Um, in addition to that is this idea, and I, you and I have talked a little bit about it, is this idea of like earned confidence really helped me where, um, you know, I used to wear this wristband. It used to say earned on it because I put in so much work mentally and physically by meeting with the sports therapist, by, by being in the gym that I earned the right to go compete. And I earned that right just like everybody else did. And so I needed to lean on that confidence to make me perform to my best capability instead of feeling like I didn't deserve to be there or it was given to me or something like that. So those were two things like, earning my confidence every single day so that I knew when I showed up, I was just as prepared as anybody else there. And then um, focusing on what was in my control. Yeah. And I know you touched a little bit on how that's carried over in business. Um, but is it carried over in other areas of your life, relationships, being a dad, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. I text you about um, the love language thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I woke up and I like looked at your message. I was like, why is Jason texting me about love <laughs> languages at 6am in the morning? <laughs> yeah. um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, the control thing definitely has played a big factor. I mean, as you know, so, you know, my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. That was a really, really trying time for a really long time. And it really developed our mindset even further to understand what was in our control versus out. And it also it really incorporated this idea of, you know, positive self-talk and remaining positive through adversity and challenges was really helpful through that time. And even to this day, right, having kids that are 10 and 7 being married for as long as I have, like, it's not always rainbows and unicorns. And it's really important to focus on what's in our control and try and attack each situation with the most positivity that we can. And that's something we're trying to instill in the kids as well. And then obviously using fitness as an outlet to de-stress, et cetera. Yeah, I saw this morning you uh, training with Ava in the garage. She's getting after Good. it too. Dude, she did some solid uh, assault by kettlebell swing sit-up uh, workout today. And you know, with the kids, it's just really important that they just move or at least sweat once a day. That's the key. And not make it too big of a deal, but just start instilling this idea that fitness for me is so much more than just like how you look, how you feel. It's, it's really like a mindset tool that helps you de-stress, reduces this anxiety, really helps me every single day. And so I want to start instilling that in the kids, just like they would drink a cup of coffee every single day. I want them to think about fitness the same way. It should just be something they just do. Right. And how are you, because I think of it as like, great example, my dad was a pilot, right? I grew up all my life flying and wanted nothing to do with it. I mean, I did it and it was incredible. And now in retrospect, I'm like, that is such a cool, awesome privilege to have. Yeah, I wanted sure. nothing to do with flying until I moved to college. And then I like called my dad and was like, hey, like, you think I could get my private pilot's license? And he was like... No, you had this opportunity your whole life. I'm not flying down to Santa Cruz once a week to get you flying. Yeah, to so, get your hours in or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with dad as a professional athlete, how are you juggling that with the kids? Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, you use this word like with grace. You know, I just try and do it with low key, right? I really try. Um, and this goes from our friends and family too. Like, people know like I get after it every single day and people know that if they want to get after it, they just text me and we can figure out time to work out. But I'm not going to try and chase people down anymore. I'm not going to try and because I found that that pushed them further away. And so with our kids, we were just trying to create some general baseline rules. Like, Hey, I don't care if you jump on the trampoline. I don't care if you go do PE. I don't care what you do. Just do some type of movement every single day. And I try and make, if we are working out like in the garage, try and make it kind of fun. Right. And like today, maybe you only get six, seven minutes. And you know what? That's a huge win for us. And let's try and build on that for tomorrow. So I'd say there is a decent amount of like, I don't want to call it pressure, but there is like some, the fact that we're so into fitness, it is, it is I imagine, going to be challenging at times for them. But I try and just not make it a big deal is the key and never push too hard and let them kind of find what they want to do and make their own choices. If you want to play around with the hula hoop for 10 minutes, you do you, you know, I don't care. Totally. I think that carries over a lot to, um, you know, just motivating people in general. I think we're going to see something so, so different than we've ever seen before in the fitness industry. Like people have been inside for a year. People have been oh, yeah. in their houses for a year. And sure, there's some people that, you know, have garage gym setups or had access to a gym somehow, some way or bought the Peloton, whatever, right? But what would you say to people that are either brand new to fitness and like have all of that negative self-talk that we've all heard our athletes have when they come to the gym or people that, you know, used to work out every day and now have been inside and have to take that next step to get back in there? 
I mean, this is going to sound super cliche and stupid, but it's something I would really lean on if I was someone new. I'd say just say better is better. Um, today, I was at the track with a buddy of mine. He just retired from a corporate job. He was very successful there. And his goal is to run a 10-minute mile. And to some of us, we'd be like, dude, 10-minute mile, you could like, that's a piece of cake. But for him, that's a big goal. And right now, he's like at a 14-minute mile, right? But if, if I tried to just crush him at the track or if I tried to have him do too much, it would just turn him off. And so today or the other day when I went and met with him, just a little bit, like better is better. Instead of being, uh, instead of getting around one lap without stopping to walk, let's try one lap plus another hundred meters. And I think for anybody who's interested in getting in fitness is like, I am definitely on this side of things in terms of slow is better because I'm trying to be as fit as possible for as long as possible. And I've just seen so many people come into our gyms for so many years who are so gung-ho, right? Whether they're overweight, they're, it doesn't matter. I've just seen so many people come in and are like, I'm going to eat paleo. I'm going to have no sugar. I'm going to come in six days a week. And I, and I always tell them like, hey, just what habits have you developed over the last 10 years? They say, well, I haven't exercised in 10 years. Like, well, let's start with one thing. Let's start with one day. Let's start with taking a 10-minute walk three times a day. And then we'll start adding these habits on um, like habit stacking, right, mm-hmm. is, is, is what I would recommend for people. So start slow and work your way up. Yeah, I, we were talking about that the other day. I wrote um, an NC Fit edit that was like, start smaller than small and then smaller than that. Like something that doesn't even feel like you're putting much effort towards it and let that become a habit to the point that it's so far in your subconscious that you're like, Oh yeah, I did get up this morning, immediately walked to the kitchen, had a big glass of water before I did anything else. Right. Or like, you know, maybe the goal is to run a marathon. Awesome. But like today, I just want you to put on your running shoes because then if the running shoes is on, maybe you will go outside for that five minute walk. hundred percent. I think that, you know, I think it was, um, I don't know who, who, who quote is like people underestimate what they could do in a day and overestimate or what they could do in a, or un, overestimate what they could do in a day and underestimate what they could do in a lifetime, whatever it is. It's just creating these, um, I just totally butchered that quote, by the way. Um, <laughs> but just creating these micro goals every single day and just staying consistent with them. And like, uh, I know that I sound soft about this because I am soft about it. Meaning like, like you're winning if you're just doing something. You really are. And if you could then start stacking that on mentally, you then start pushing a little bit more. And a little bit more. And before you know it, you've gone a year and you've developed these habits where you're crushing it. And then you want to stay that fit for the rest of your life. You know, I would ask anybody listening, if they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, how long do you want to be fit for? And most people are not going to say for a month, a year, a day. They're going to say probably for the rest of their life. And so we have this like really long pillar out there. We just got to take our time and then get there. Yeah. I feel like that's such a good representation too of what NC Fit has been. Because when we think back, you know, even when I first got started in CrossFit, um, it was like rip your hands, throw up, have like be so sore that you can't walk the next day. And like that's laying on the floor, just yeah. That, I mean, the, the intensity, and, and you know, until this day, I, I still obviously still have a little bit of that in, in me, of course, but. You're totally right. Back in the day, if you weren't on the floor crushed, you didn't get a good workout. Right. You weren't trying. And right, now trying. I'm like psyched if I'm like, <laughs> I ran for 10 minutes with my dog today, <laughs> you know, yeah. like 
I mean, your priorities shift like you and I were talking about before, you know, before my goal was to be the fittest person on the planet. And so because of that, I needed to get to these high intensities. Now my goal is, Hey, never allow fitness to inhibit the things I want to do with my kids. If my son wants to go play baseball, if my daughter wants to go do something, I should have the fitness be able to do that and the energy to back it up. Then combine that with the health benefits of fitness in the sense that it's just a daily occurrence that I do that's a de-stressor and helps me be a better version of myself, right? And then finally, if you want, like for me, I do like the idea of competition. That's, that's ingrained in me since a really early age. So I'm now getting ready for a jiu-jitsu tournament. But the level of intensity that I'm taking in my workouts, I don't want it to be the same as before. And that's okay. It just needs to be consistent. It needs to be hard. I need to put in my best effort. Totally. I, that was, I think what was so alluring about CrossFit in general to me to start was I had just finished collegiate sports and it was really, really easy to go to practice and get put in the reps, put in the work. Cause I knew that there was a match coming, right? Like I knew there was a game at the end of the week. And so when that was gone and it was like, okay, I'm at 24 hour fitness hanging out on the elliptical for 20 minutes just because I think I should, right? I call it shooting on yourself. Like, don't do that. You know, do, do something that moves your body every day for your own goals, for your own purposes. And if that's competition, like you were saying, awesome. Right. And if it's to keep up with the kids, I'm, I'm kind of in the mindset now. It's like, I never want my level of fitness to be a barrier of entry into anything that I want to do. Like yeah, if I want to pick up a new sport, I want to know that like my fit, maybe my skill level will keep me out of it for a while, but my fitness never would. Yeah. And that, and that's a huge, like, can you think about the self-confidence that provides as you get older, right? That you don't have to worry. I was, um, I was with my family the other day and we were going to go take a hike. And one of our family members said, Hey, I don't know if I can go. And I'm like, why can't you go? They're like, I don't know if I can make it up that steep hill. And I'm like, dude, like, First off, they ended up going and we were fine. But the fact that they even had to worry about that is where we want to go in the future, right? As a company, as an organization, we want to get as many people as possible to never have to say, oh, I can't go because of this fitness inhibitor. Because we, could do, we, could, we, could, we can make change on it now that's going to last for a lifetime. You know, we just got to stick with it. Totally. And I know that we, we talked about it before the show. Today's a huge day. Huge NC day. Fit. Huge. Tell us about it. I want to know about that's- it. Today's a huge day. So NC Fit over the years has had a lot of like really remarkable people work at the company. Really, we have. And we've had a lot of really cool doors open and opportunities created for us. And um, there was a lot of luck involved um, and a lot of hard work involved. I think it was both. And we start off as gyms. And then we opened up corporate wellness locations because there was a demand for that. And then we opened up digital location, uh, the NC Fit Collective, which is for gym owners. And what we realized was I kept getting asked over and over and over again from people all around the world who want to be a part of what we're doing at NC Fit with our programs, with our training, with our coaching, or maybe they left our gyms and they wanted to go somewhere else and they still want to be a part of it. So we rolled on an app. This was a couple of years ago. And the experience has always been okay, but it hasn't been what we wanted. And so uh, a couple of years ago, we started down a road of building a new app and we wanted to build something the industry hadn't seen before. Where on-demand functional training, integrated uh, fit radio music, daily workout options that are just very robust, always new, clean user interface. And so I'm really proud. The team did an excellent job and it releases, um, it just released. So um, long and short of it is, I believe we have the premier 
functional training app on the market. And I think it's only going to get better from here. Totally. I can attest those, uh, the early days. I wish you guys could have seen listeners could have seen what the early days of this on-demand fitness looked like. I Uh, think that it has been, um, one of the silver linings of COVID, if you will, because we started, it was you and I masked (laughs) with like a single camera, a webcam trying to do YouTube fitness for people. Yeah. Remember that one? And, and every week I'd come in, I'd see Lindsay. I'd be like, Lindsay, I think we can improve the audio by doing this. Lindsay, how about this? And she'd be like, okay, let's, you know, we were always trying to improve. And we finally got to a place like um, that. I, I feel like we're at a great place and, you know, you've done a great job on it. And I think that for anybody who's looking to follow along with the workouts, I think they're very, we have some entry level. We have some a little bit more, you know, high demanding, but it just depends where you're at. Totally. And I think that our coaches, I'm not trying to pat my own back here, but I'll pat it a little bit. You um, should. Everyone has done such a good job of making, especially the on-demand training, super accessible. Like there were days where I would show up and I would look at the programming and I was like, this is going to kick my ass and I've got to be on camera for it, right? For right. 45 minutes to an hour. So that being said, you know, there were plenty of times where I modified movement or I took breaks or I rested or invited, you know, people to do the same thing with me. And I think that what the app does so well is brings a personalized feeling to your at-home training because so many of us go to the gym to go train with our favorite coaches, to go see our community. And so to like have Frankie who shouts out Frankie, you know, be telling you a dad joke or some some silly thing that he says or race Jason in a workout or come see me. I think my hair is still pink in most of the, (laughs) most of the videos, like come train with all of us. It's seriously so, so fun. Yeah. What I think is really cool about it is it allows us to highlight our coaches um, proficiency and being in the gym for so many years, our coaches have developed a great deal of skill and now they can share that with the, with anybody in the world. And, um, so for me, uh, I'm really, really excited about it. I think our team, you know, I've talked about this a little bit with you. But it's like, you know, it's taken us 13 years to get to this point. And I feel like we're just starting. It's really cool. Like, I feel like, and this is like motivation, I guess, for myself, right? That like, I woke up today feeling like it's Christmas. And here I am 13 years into the business. And I still feel that excited about it. That in itself is a really cool perspective that I needed to kind of reflect on. Because not everybody could have that. And I'm grateful for it. It comes with its challenges, of course, but so does everything. So, you know, I I love where we're going. I love what we're doing. I love the team we have with it. Hell yeah. Well, Jason, if people, I will link ways to get a hold of the app in the show notes, but if people want to follow you on your journey through mindset, jujitsu, dadding, being a husband, Mm. where do they find you? Dadding? I don't even know that's a word. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, They could find me at Jason Kalipa on Instagram. They could follow nc.fit on Instagram. And, um, yeah, I, look, you could see me dadding a little bit, a lot of workouts and a little bit of the jujitsu journey. And I'm sure, uh, yeah, it's all good. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. All right. Have a good day. <laughs>